Hi, this is Dr. William Renner. Thank you for joining me on this discussion of what's new in high-resolution chest CT 2019. Well, there's some really important topics to discuss uh, this year. Uh, number one is the silicosis epidemic in Australia uh, that has now reached the United States. Uh, many uh, U.S. physicians are unaware of the new diagnosis of accelerated silicosis, uh, recently, the morbidity and mortality from the CDC in September of 2019 reported 18 cases in the United States, including two deaths. So I want to go into that. I want to talk about the Fleschner Society, uh, new recommendations on the diagnosis of IPF, idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. Recall that idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis is still the most common idiopathic diffuse lung disease, making up more than 50 to 60 percent of cases. Um, I also want to discuss the need for inspiratory and expiratory views on all high-resolution chest CT due to air trapping and hypersensitivity pneumonitis. Uh, myself and many other physicians believe that hypersensitivity pneumonitis is vastly under-diagnosed. Uh, Hi, well let's begin with um, silicosis. Um, the outbreak of silicosis. Uh, we thought that silicosis was wiped from the uh, civilized world, but we were uh, very wrong about that. Silicosis has morphed into a much more serious uh, killer than uh, ever before, and that's because of a product called artificial stone, or engineered, engineered stone. Um, Countertops uh, are made uh, from granite or marble in the past, but since in 1987 in Israel, they came up with a product called artificial stone, where they took where they took silica particles and they uh, put them in in a uh, resin and made these uh, countertops. These countertops are widely shipped around the world. Australia is the number one importer of these countertops. However, the U.S. is the number two importer of these uh, artificial stone uh, countertops. Now, the problem with these artificial stone countertops is that they're 94% silica, 94% silica, versus granite, which is somewhere around 8 to up to 30% uh, silica, and marble, which is somewhere around 3% three, uh, uh, three, uh, silica. It's this extremely high content of silica that makes this uh, dust uh, so uh, toxic and uh, dangerous. So when these workers, uh, after they produce these uh, countertops, they have to cut them and then sand them so that they can be used in the home and can look like, uh, can look like granite or marble uh, countertops. This silica dust uh, is extremely toxic. And the problem with it is that when it's used by these uh, high power equipment, it breaks into these tiny, tiny little particles that are uh, 0.5 microns uh, to uh, 5 microns, uh, very tiny particles. As you remember from your biology, the white, I mean, a red blood cell was approximately 5 microns. So these tiny particles are nearly weightless, and they go all the way through the lung to go into the asini, where um, they're attacked by the microphages, which incites a uh, inflammatory uh, 
process that leads to uh, fibrosis. And it's this fibrosis that leads to uh, chronic uh, lung disease of uh, silicosis. So how, com how common is this artificial stone silicosis? Well, uh, it's much more common than, uh, uh, than you would imagine. Uh, artificial stone silicosis was first described in the medical literature in about 2011 uh, with reports from Israel which makes sense since that's where the product was formed and they had uh, approximately 82 cases of silicosis artificial stone silicosis of which 17 have gone to uh, lung transplantation now it's called accelerated silicosis because when you when the workers, uh, the old silicosis, when workers worked with granite or marble or sandblasting, it took 10 to 20 years before they developed silicosis. However, with this high silica content artificial stone, the disease can present as little as four, uh, four years. Now, in Australia, uh, in Australia, in uh, one of the states called Queensland, uh, there were several cases of uh, silicosis, and the uh, government investigated that. They found that there were 800 workers in uh, Queensland that were exposed um, to uh, silica from um, artificial uh, stone. And um, with more than half of these workers now screened, they found 116 cases of accelerated silicosis. The first person to die uh, was uh, Anthony White. Uh, Anthony White became a spokesman. He was publicized a lot on uh, the media in Australia and his face uh, became very familiar. Um, he died uh, just in March of this year in his, uh, at age uh, 36 uh, from uh, silicosis. He died approximately uh, one week after he was placed on the transplant list for a double lung transplant. He never survived uh, to receive his transplant. Uh, I recently attended approximately uh, four weeks ago a conference in uh, Melbourne, Australia, which is in the uh, state of Victoria. And at that conference they estimated that there were 1,500 workers uh, that worked with artificial stone. So we'll have to see how many of those turn out to have silicosis. In uh, Queensland, about 15% of the workers uh, were diagnosed with uh, silicosis. Now, the best way, uh, the best way to make the diagnosis is a high-resolution chest CT using MIP images, and you have to use a large slab of the MIP image, approximately 20, um, 20 millimeters, uh, because you want to be able to see these tiny nodules. The first high-resolution finding of silicosis are these ground glass nodules that are small three to five uh, millimeters in size then as the disease progresses progresses the nodules become more well defined and brighter in signal when the patient just has the nodules that's classified as just simple silicosis those patients are almost always asymptomatic but then as the silicosis progresses, the nodules coalesce together and when they form a conglomerate mass, and, we, and by definition we use 1.5 sonometers to be a conglomerate mass, once they form a conglomerate mass, then it's the diagnosis of progressive massive fibrosis. And patients with a progressive massive fibrosis are all extremely uh, symptomatic. 
the only treatment uh, being a lung transplant, uh, lung transplantation. And now the disease has hit the United States. Uh, the most recent, uh, or one of the recent um, morbidity and mortality reports from the CDC is September 27th, 2019. Morbidity and mortality report was on artificial stone silicosis, so-called engineering stone silicosis, and reported 18 cases in the United States, including two deaths. The two deaths were from the same shop in California in 30-year-old uh, uh, men. So these are young men that are dying uh, from uh, silicosis. The third man from that same plant was put on the uh, transplantation list. There were approximately six individuals from the same plant diagnosed at silicosis. Uh, other states include uh, Colorado, Washington, and Texas, where silicosis has been diagnosed uh, in the uh, uh, United States. Now, what's important is that uh, the physicians be aware of this, and at least three cases of silicosis reported in the, uh, uh, by the CDC. The diagnosis was not made by the physician. Uh, the diagnosis was that of autoimmune disease. And the problem is that silicosis induces autoimmune disease uh, in, in individuals. Most commonly, it induces rheumatoid arthritis or scleroderma, uh, giving uh, also not only the clinical symptoms, but also positive uh, blood markers for both rheumatoid uh, and uh, scleroderma. And it was only at the time of lung biopsy was the diagnosis of silicosis, uh, silicosis made. So uh, we all, uh, physicians in the United States, need to be aware, uh, aware of this disease. Now, Silicosis can be uh, prevented. Uh, just uh, the easiest thing to do is use a wet saw. Instead of using dry, a dry saw to cut artificial stone, dry sawing now is illegal in Australia, but dry stone produces a huge amount of silica in the air, uh, somewhere concentrations of a thousand times the, uh, um, the uh, permitted uh, dose of silica in the uh, air uh, from this dry cutting of silica. If you use a wet saw, that markedly reduces the amount of silica in the air. Uh, but it's still still a high concentration of silica even used in a wet saw. So it's very important that the, the, these uh, shops have uh, extended ventilation as well as the workers uh, work with um, respirator masks. The trouble is, uh, when I've talked to foremans in the United States, um, construction uh, uh, managers, they tell me that most most of these uh, uh, workers are now aware of uh, the danger of silica. However, and they all, uh, they tell me that most, most, uh, most shops that they're aware of, they use the uh, wet saw to uh, deal with, uh, to deal with, uh, or to cut artificial stone. But uh, ventilation is uh, many times not, uh, uh, not provided, as well as the the workers tend not to use the respiratory mask because they're very heavy and it's difficult to take a breath when you have them on. So um, I'm very concerned that we're going to have a large population of these of these workers that that are exposed to silica. Now the CDC re, uh, estimates that there's ninety thousand three hundred and sixty ninety thousand three hundred and sixty workers 
in the United States who have worked with these countertops and artificial stone. Um, so if you use that 15% number from, if you use that 15% number um, uh, from Queensland, that means that there's about 13,000 cases of uh, silicosis in the United States. Now, I think the number is going to be lower because um, in Australia, um, they, they were doing the dry cutting. Uh, they almost all the workers were, the, that have been diagnosed were using the dry cutting of uh, silica. And uh, in the U.S., as I've said, uh, when, I've talked, when I've talked to uh, con, uh, construction managers, they tell me in the U.S. that uh, they almost always use the, uh, the, uh, the wet cutting of stone. But that's in their shops. When they take the stone out, out uh, into the community and fit it into someone's kitchen or bathroom, uh, they frequently use dry cutting uh, of the uh, of the stone. Now the stone has no danger to anyone who has that artificial stone in their home. So it's not of any danger to anyone who has that product in their home. It's only a danger to the workers who cut and polish. Uh, this artificial stone due to its extremely high content of silica. Um, one last uh, radiology point that, uh, that I would like to make uh, before I leave this topic is that these nodules, the nodules seen in uh, silicosis, uh, tend to be central lobular and subpleural small nodules. So you can see the nodules up against um, the pleural surface. Now this is a little bit of exception to the uh, to the rule. Nodules are de uh, defined as random with diffuse, uh, no relation to the lobule, but there are subpleural uh, nodules in the random pattern. Miliary um, TB is the most commonly, uh, commonly a classic random pattern. Uh, they can be perilymphatic, uh, which are patchy clustered in peribronchovascular areas, but they also extend to the pleural surface and the interlobular septa. Silicosis is the classic perilymphatic distribution. And then centralobular, uh, which, you can, uh, uh, which you can see in uh, respiratory, uh, uh, respiratory uh, uh, diseases. Um, so the so these nodules tend to be and silicosis tend to be centralobular. However, uh, unlike most centralobular conditions in which there are no subpleural nodules, subpleural nodules do occur in uh, silicosis. And lastly, uh, I want to make a comment on lung transplantation. Unlike other types of uh, transplantation, uh, lung transplant survival is, is not as good as uh, we would would hope for. The five-year survival of uh, lung patients with a lung transplant is only 50%. A few patients have lived to be uh, have lived 10 years after their lands their uh, lung transplant, but the mean survival is about 6.5 years. So it's certainly not a, a new life uh, once you receive a, a lung transplant. All right, let's move on to a, a new uh, topic. I want to talk about the uh, uh, the most uh, recent uh, Fleshner uh, 
uh, criteria for uh, UIP or interstitial pulmonary fibrosis. Recall that UIP is the radiological diagnosis and that idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis is the clinical diagnosis that the clinicians make. The, Fre the Fleschner uh, Society in the uh, 19 in a 2018 uh, paper uh, changed the diagnostic criteria for idiopathic uh, pulmonary fibrosis in the uh, Fleschner Society or white paper and in that paper they described the UIP pattern um, really uh, of reticulations uh, into four different groups one is UIP uh, diagnosis and number two is probable UIP uh, number three indeterminate for UIP and number four uh, suggests an alternative diagnosis and with the UIP uh, diagnosis, um, the uh, current uh, recommendation is subpleural and basilar predominant distribution, uh, which is often heterogeneous, but it requires the patient have honeycombing. And the, you can have honeycombing with or without peripheral traction bronchiectasis. So you, you need to have both a subpleural and basilar predominant disease as well as honeycombing to make the diagnosis of a UI, uh, UIP. And if a patient has uh, these uh, honeycombing and uh, this criteria, um, there's a, a predictive value of 90 to 100% uh, for a UIP. Now the probable UIP uh, pattern uh, is subpleural and basilar predominant distribution again often heterogeneous similar to the UIP but there can be a reticular pattern with peripheral traction bronchiectasis without honeycombing so you don't it doesn't require honeycombing to make the diagnosis of probable uh, of a probable uh, uh, UIP now, predictors of UIP include males greater than 50 years old, smokers, and patients uh, uh, with a, a UIP pattern or a probable UIP pattern. Um, the strongest predictors is uh, age uh, and extent of reticular pattern on high-resolution chest CT. So if you have, uh, if you have a patient over the age of 70 uh, with uh, UIP pattern or probably UIP pattern, very high predictability of uh, inter interstitial um, pulmonary fibrosis. And uh, Dr. Uh, David Lynch at the uh, RSNA in 2018 uh, said that if you have a patient over the age of 60 in the absence of environmental or medical history um, absence of environmental or medication history and no history of connective tissue disease if you have a pattern of uh, definite UIP or probable UIP uh, then you can consider uh, proceeding without a biopsy and in all other cases, uh, Dr. Uh, David Lynch felt that a biopsy uh, was uh, required. So these criteria become 
very important from a, a clinical diagnosis. The other important thing is that a biopsy can sometimes uh, um, uh, throw a patient uh, into acute exacerbation of idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. About 10% of uh, uh, IPF patients will have a marked sudden deterioration of uh, their disease called ex exacerbation of IPF. Usually uh, pathologically and also on CT you see the DAD pattern, DAD standing for diffuse alveolar damage uh, with uh, increased ground glass density with or without uh, multifocal uh, consolidation superimposed on uh, on fibrosis so it's important uh, when not to do uh, when not to do a, uh, a lung uh, biopsy now the intermediate diagnosis for UIP is subpleural or basally predominant uh, pattern uh, with subtle reticulations and they may have mild uh, ground glass opacity or distortion uh, so-called the early UIP pattern the clinical uh, features of lung fibrosis uh, do not suggest uh, any specific etiology, so therefore that's the indeterminate, uh, the indeterminate uh, 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 pattern. So this is really a subset of patients with very limited subpleural reticular pattern or ground glass opacity with no obvious features of fibrosis. So there's a clinical suspicion uh, of IPF, but certainly not uh, diagnostic, so-called indeterminate pattern uh, for UIP. Now, the pattern that suggests an alternative diagnosis, an alternative uh, diagnosis is if the CT features include a cyst, a marked mosaic attenuation, uh, predominant ground glass opacity, profuse micronodules, centrolobular nodules or nodules in general, and uh, consolidation. If uh, the distribution is peribronchovascular or perilymphatic or involves the upper or mid lung, you should also consider a alternative diagnosis. Uh, other factors that suggest an alternative diagnosis, of course, include pleural plaques, such as uh, asbestosis, a dilated esophagus that you can see in scleroderma, distal clavicular erosions you can see in rheumatoid arthritis, extensive uh, lymph node enlargement, or uh, pleural uh, fusions or pleural thickening. Uh, would, in which you can, should consider connective tissue disease or uh, drugs. So this, this uh, Fleshner Society uh, white paper uh, gives us some indications uh, for, uh, for biopsy and when not to, uh, not to perform a lung biopsy uh, in this uh, group of uh, individuals. As you know, now there are two uh, antifibrotic agents that may have some uh, benefit in uh, pro, uh, preventing the progression of idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. So it behooves us to make the correct uh, diagnosis of idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. Uh, all right, let's talk about our last topic. The, our last topic 
is the need to do inspiratory and expiratory view on all high-resolution uh, chest CT cases. The reason is because of hypersensitivity pneumonitis. Hypersensitivity pneumonitis, which we are all kind of familiar with from farmer's lung, that's an immune-mediated interstitial lung disease due to exposure to antigens. There can be a very large, uh, large number of antigens. Uh, the problem is the problem is that up to 60% of cases we don't have a known antigen. Um, uh, mold is the most common cause, followed by birds. Um, but unfortunately, you can have a uh, nearly normal high-resolution chest CT on uh, not on um, inspiratory views uh, and not see hypersensitivity pneumonitis until you do the expiratory views. And on the expiratory views, you'll see air trapping or uh, what we call the um, mosaic, uh, the mosaic uh, pattern. The most common, the most common high-resolution chest CT findings you'll see with uh, active hypersensitivity pneumonitis is central lobular ground glass opacities, tiny central lobular ground glass nodules, uh, or a diffuse ground glass opacity, and air trapping on expiratory view. You many times you not do not see the mosaic pattern or air trapping on standard inspiratory views. So it's very important to do those uh, expiratory views. It only adds a few, uh, literally a, a couple minutes. Uh, uh, to do the uh, uh, the expiratory views, and it gives you a much uh, a much uh, better uh, um, a better uh, uh, diagnostic um, um, way to find hypersensitivity pneumonitis. It's uh, really an important disease, and unfortunately, I have seen cases. Uh, I saw an unfortunate uh, a woman who had uh, literally five high-resolution chest CTs at a major medical center, a major medical center, in which not until the very last uh, high-resolution chest CT was uh, the diagnosis of uh, hypersensitivity pneumonitis uh, considered on the diagnosis. This was over a period of approximately 10 years. Unfortunately, by on the most recent, uh, most recent uh, high-resolution chest CT, the patient also had fibrotic changes, which are non-reversible. And this woman uh, had two parakeets, and uh, all all anyone had to do was make a diagnosis or suggest hypersensitivity pneumonitis. The parakeets uh, would have been removed from this lady's environment. Uh, she would, uh, in the early stages of hypersensitivity pneumonitis, it's totally curable by removable, removal of the antigen, and uh, she, would, uh, she would be living a life without oxygen therapy. All right, well, I want to briefly go over the uh, findings in high-resolution chest CT and active uh, uh, hypersensitivity pneumonitis. Um, the most common findings are central lobular ground glass 
uh, nodules or opacities. Central lobular ground glass opacities uh, or uh, nodules uh, or diffuse uh, ground glass uh, uh, opacities. Uh, they uh, tend to involve the mid-lung, but they're seen through, uh, throughout the lung. Um, you could also see diffuse ground glass opacity and then air trapping. As I mentioned, air trapping may only be seen on expiratory CT, so that expiratory CT is very important. Also recall that the findings of hypersensitivity pneumonitis um, early in the disease can be completely reversed by removal of the antigen. Most commonly this is removal of the mold or removal of exposure to a known antigen such as farmer's lung or removal of uh, birds in a, in a uh, household or as, uh, uh, as uh, pets. Uh, so hypersensitivity pneumonitis becomes very important. Some authors believe that it's the second most common diffuse interstitial lung disease, second only to idiopathic uh, pulmonary fibrosis uh, as a cause that leads to uh, chronic uh, lung disease. Once the reticular pattern has formed, uh, the findings are no longer uh, reversible. Thanks for listening to this uh, discussion on what's new 2019 in high-resolution chest CT. This and many more topics are available in my high-resolution workbook. Uh, if you're interested uh, in obtaining that, uh, please email me. Thank you again for listening. For more information on my uh, courses, um, go to my website at www.mskmr.com dot com.